0: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, Digitizing Innovation at DISA and the Pentagon's Roadmap to Zero Trust. It's Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The House will vote on a 10-week continuing resolution to start fiscal 2023 on Saturday. The Senate passed the bill yesterday, 72 to 23. The deadline for the House to pass it and President Biden to sign it is Friday night at midnight. The CR would run through the middle of December. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's postponing its fifth annual National Cyber Summit because of Hurricane Ian, CISA planned the summit for next Tuesday, October 4th in Atlanta. No word yet on a new date for the summit. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Voting's open now for the 2022 edition of the FedScoop 50. You can vote for your choices until Friday. We'll announce the winners November 3rd. You can find a link to see the finalists and place your votes in today's show notes at the daily scoop podcast.com. The Defense Information Systems Agency's new data strategy implementation plan maps how the agency will use data as a strategic asset. The plan is part of DISA's broader digital modernization journey. Roger Greenwell is Chief Information Officer and Director of the Enterprise Integration and Innovation Center at DISA. At Defense Talks on a panel with former Senior Advisor for Policy Innovation at DOD Josh Marcuse, he tells FedScoop's Billy Mitchell about DISA's approach to digital modernization and innovation.
1: When we look at our strategic plan uh, you know two things come to mind the first two lines of effort where we are focused on prioritizing command and control and then driving force readiness through innovation so when you look at the things that we're doing uh, to enable innovation to enable speed um, of capability to the warfire the things that we're doing with like the joint warfighting cloud capability being able to, again, get ourselves positioned where we have cloud capabilities and be able to rapidly um, you know, field systems, how do we actually modernize some of our capabilities around DevSecOps and, again, driving that change in our processes and our technology to really advance
2: you know, capability delivery. And Josh, Google just launched a public sector branch. Mm-hmm. I know you're very keenly focused on this this topic, but tell me how Google public sector Google Cloud is focused on helping DoD with its transformation.
3: Absolutely, and, and thanks very much for having us here. Congratulations on FedScoop. I'm a subscriber. You all should follow Billy's advice. Um, you know, we approach this from a mission outcome first approach. And I think, you know, there's lots of incredible companies in the room and many of us are obsessed with our technology and we're really proud of it. But when you begin the conversation with a focus on what is our technology, what are its features, you aren't focused on the warfighter, you aren't focused on the mission outcome. So we're thinking about moving from a product market fit orientation to a product mission fit. Orientation. Start with the mission, the outcome, the user, the warfighter, the need, and then work backwards from that and say how do we bring the magic of Google engineering to solve that mission problem? And, uh, and the last piece I would say is you know, digital transformation uh, is about organizational transformation. It's about changing behavior. It's about organizational psychology as much as it is about incredible engineering. So we also think about what is the culture that we want to export and blend with all the values of the military with the way Google thinks about solving problems in the consumer world and really bring the consumer experience to the mission of government.
2: It's great. A lot of the digital transformation conversation is these days, especially the last year in the DoD, revolves around AI and ML. It's a big topic. It's it's uh, it's one that's hard to wrap your arms around because there's so many moving pieces. But um, with all the ambitious. Uh, takes in in, in places that the DOD wants to go with AI and ML. I'm I'm curious, how can the department take the next step so that it's widely, effectively, and ethically used? Um, Is this something that you're focused on at DISA, Roger?
1: Absolutely, so just back in October, we went through a a reorganization and actually established our first uh, chief data officer. So to actually formalized uh, data as one of our key lines of effort as well, leveraging data as the center of gravity. As we look at you know one of DISA's key roles in cyber defense and cyber security, the, the mountains of data that we are sensing from all of our variety of capabilities, whether it's capabilities in the cloud, capabilities on-prem, uh, et cetera, bringing all that data together to be able to harmonize it and be able to, you know, drive uh, detection and action, uh, data is just central to what we're doing and we can't do it without AI and machine learning. Uh, we have to evolve and that's again, it's part of what we're trying to do with driving capabilities that ultimately enable us to rapidly adopt change with AI and ML.
2: And obviously, AI and ML are, are, are part of Google's identity. What are you thinking about when you're serving the military and the Department of Defense in, in this journey? That's great. You know,
3: so in an earlier panel, Winston said something great about JADC2, which he said it's a concept, not a system. And I think it's a really important analogy that applies to AI as well. Artificial intelligence is a theory and a concept. It's a branch of computer science. Machine learning is using math and software to solve problems. And so when we think about it, um, it's really about understanding that AI is not like salt and pepper that you can sprinkle on any program. Um, You have to have a really good understanding of what is a problem that lends itself to a machine learning approach, and is the organization mature to the point that they're ready to do that? What's the wraparound strategy that helps them? One of the things that I learned in DoD was, you know, 80% of of the budget and the time is spent on the data. Like Roger was saying, it's data preparation, data wrangling, data hygiene, not all problems can be solved with AI. So we look for where is there a data set and a mission outcome where we can use mature techniques that are secure and proven to use that data to achieve a result that a warfighter needs. And it's not a problem. And one of the things about AI is, you know, very rarely does it escape the lab. You know, we start from the business end of like, where have we seen the business outcomes driven by using machine learning? And then apply it in a way where we have a very high degree of confidence in in the results, so that it again is secure. Because as Roger said, you know, there's a lot of DOD missions where we want to make sure we have a high degree of confidence in the models and the security and the data and how it's handled and how it's accessed. And so we think about that from a a standpoint that is really centered in ethics, safety, and reliability. And I
2: think that's what makes DoD and Google great partners. That's great. So let's close out with the topic of innovation. Uh, There's a lot of, I'll call it small-scale innovation that happens across the department that we hear a lot about, whether it's OTAs, pilots, uh, SBIR contracts, you name it. Um, But I'm curious, how do you take that to the next level to support some of the things that we've been talking about today, Uh, bringing these, these organizations that really are innovative across, you know, people mentioned the valley of death. Let's maybe not go in that direction, but how are we going to scale innovation across the department of defense?
1: Well, from my perspective, it is a lot about partnerships. When you look at again, the concept of JADC 2 and again, as Winston said, it is a concept It is truly a partnership and DISA as one entity within the department. Can't do it alone. Uh, we look at what we're doing in, uh, evolving the department around zero trust and the concepts there. You know, DISA is bringing like an enterprise ICAM capability to the services, but there's also federation capabilities that we all, as senior leaders within the department, need to work together. Uh, Project Thunderdome, which is further expanding ICAM and bringing other elements of zero trust. It, we can use that to support a lot of our fourth estate agencies, et cetera, but it's also partnering with the services and other organizations to be able to leverage the technologies that we're bringing uh, in the effort to, again, harmonize uh, the entirety of, of the agency and the entirety of the workforce. So I think that's, you know, again, the key, I would say, is partnerships. And, of course, the dependence upon industry you know, the technology that's industry is bringing, we have to be able to not just assess that, but actually be able to integrate it and implement it in a much quicker fashion than what we've been able to do
2: in the past. Josh, I know you're passionate about this. Yeah, I'll give very, you the final word. Uh, very passionate about it.
3: You know, I, I love what Roger said about integrating um, and scale and I think and, and speed. I mean, I think that's the name of the game. One of my favorite quotes of innovation is William Gibson, The future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. And I think you can find pockets of innovation everywhere in DOD and DISA all over that are as good as anything you find at the best university or the most extraordinary company. But the point is, is that they're isolated because of cultural barriers. And so innovation in DoD is all about overcoming those cultural barriers by leaders setting the tone for the people in their organization about what behaviors are expected and how to think about doing new things as not a source of risk, but as a strategy for managing risk. And I think that helps us take these things that are extraordinary accomplishments that happen in a software factory here or a lab there or a component here and start to integrate them, as Roger was saying, into the rest of the organization as a whole. Because what you really get with DOD is scale. There's no organization on the planet that has both a mission or a capability at such scale. So when DoD finds these gems and then is able to mass produce them, that's when you see historic contributions to the frontiers of technology. And that's really what a partnership between government and companies like mine is all about.
0: Josh Marcuse, former senior advisor for policy innovation at DOD, now at Google Cloud, on a panel at Defense Talks with DISA's Roger Greenwell and Fed Scoops Billy Mitchell. You can find a link to that discussion and all the Defense Talks sessions in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Leaders from the Defense Department, CISA, and lots of other government agencies are coming to Cyber Talks this year. It's happening Thursday, October 20th at the Waldorf Astoria in downtown DC, you can find a link to the agenda and registration in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. A 5-year zero trust strategy is coming from the Defense Department, that strategy will include more than 90 capabilities. Dave McEwen is the Deputy Chief Information Officer for Cybersecurity at the Defense Department. At Defense Talks, he offered some context about the department's cyber strategy.
4: When I first took this job two years ago, I, I kind of had a, a vision uh, in mind of where I wanted to take certain things. Uh, historically, uh, getting cybersecurity things done has been, has been very difficult uh, to get the money and get the backing. Uh, but I was very fortunate that the leadership of the department is, is very focused on cybersecurity. And as you know, there were some, some rather large events that happened um, a couple years ago. Um, solar winds happened um, we've had Log4j since then, but every one of these events has really uh, kind of made my job a lot easier, selling uh, the ideas to fix the problems that, that have occurred over time. Um, immediately after the Log4j, obviously, the, uh, the whole federal government coalesced on, uh, upon an executive order, Executive Order 14.028, which was sort of geared at uplifting uh, cybersecurity within the whole federal government. Um, there was a carve-out for national security systems. We worked with NSA to develop NSM-8, which basically implemented the same kind of security controls and responses and intel sharing at a classified level for national security systems. So we've been working very hard at that. Uh, within that, um, there is one initiative that uh, you know, I've always been a zealot for, which is the Zero Trust. Um, th- they do want us to implement Zero Trust. I think there isn't a great roadmap out there for doing that. There's a lot of uh, literature. Google implemented it in 10 years. Uh, There's the NIST Pub. Uh, We are trying to lead this within the Department of Defense, and hopefully impact the rest of the federal government. Uh, I hired an SES from NSA who was working on our reference architecture for Zero Trust, Randy Resnick. Uh, He came in. We hired him in January of this year. He's hit the ground running, developed lots of good products, an updated reference architecture. Uh, Within the building right now, we're finalizing a strategy and an implementation plan for Zero Trust, Uh, The strategy uh, contains 152 different capabilities to achieve uh, complete, uh, robust zero trust. And we also have a a smaller subset of controls in there. Uh, There's 90 of them. If, If you implement that, you'll hit targeted zero trust. So we've provided a North Star now with very good descriptions of how to achieve all of those capabilities. And we can we can now assess whether or not an environment is at either the targeted or the advanced zero trust. Um, we're gonna continue on with this. We've, we've been, uh, we've developed three possible COAs uh, for an organization to get zero trust. Uh, the first one is to uplift your own environment, a very difficult proposition to add in the tools, use your existing tools, make them all integrate and, and develop the orchestration and automation and response that you need. Uh, the second one is a cloud-based uh, service. So we're, we're engaging with all of the vendors that are part of JWCC. Uh, and having them kind of run through their service offerings and compare against our activities to see where they sit so that we could perhaps just consume zero trust in their clouds. And then lastly, we built a purpose-built cloud for special circumstances where we have to build a cloud on-premises, and we want to stand that up quickly. So all that's going uh, very well. Uh, please look for that uh, strategy, and I plan to come out soon. Um all of the cloud providers out there, I think, are pleased that uh, we've published this, and they now have something as a backdrop to look at to see whether or not uh, they have achieved zero trust. Uh, my second area is uh, DIB cybersecurity. Um, this is a big topic. I think we've all seen uh, copies of F-35 sitting on Chinese runways and uh, the space shuttle sitting on, in, in Russia. You know, So uh, this was a big deal, and we're really uh, getting after this uh, in a big way with uh, CMMC um, and CMMC is going to protect DOD data in uh, vendors locations. Um, we've got a good uh, way ahead there, we're just about to go into rulemaking for CMMC 2.0, you know 1.0 didn't uh, resonate so well so we went back and streamlined it, we've got 2.0 now uh, in the pipeline. That will get approved hopefully uh, next year sometime for an interim rule and then we can start putting that in contracts. Uh, We're still hearing cries from um, industry, small, medium-sized businesses, that maybe it's too onerous to uplift your environment. We have a plethora of cybersecurity tools and, and services that we can offer uh, to Dib partners, uh, as well as we are again teaming with cloud providers to see what sort of secure environments they can provide uh, that industry can just consume in order to protect DoD information. So lots of good things going on there. Ms. Stacey Bosjanik uh, joined our team earlier this year. I am about to realign all things Dib cybersecurity under Stacy. We had a lot of other things going on. We, we orchestrated with DC3, with the NSA uh, Cybersecurity Collaboration Center a lot. So Stacy's going to take that whole thing and, and be in charge of all of our DIB cybersecurity efforts going forward. And then lastly, uh, we're partnering a lot with ANS, uh, NSA, and uh, the, the principal cyber advisor and Joint Staff J6 on getting after our technical debt in our weapon systems and critical infrastructure um, this is the one area of, of all I've talked about today that we really haven't suffered a uh, impactful cybersecurity breach yet, but the technical debt that's there, certainly we could. So we've, we've developed a way forward where we identify all the high priority items in order to do our top priority missions in the DoD. Uh, NSA is doing assessments of those from a cybersecurity perspective, and we're working with the services and agencies to uplift uh, those environments so that they are cyber secure. So that's a big effort. Uh, we've been working on that for a couple of years now. Uh, we've got a really good process and really good teamwork going on now. We're, we're getting through about 10, 12 systems a year, uh, and we're focusing on those in a priority order. So uh, those are the top things that we're working on. Um, Again, leadership in the Department of Defense uh, believes in cybersecurity, and uh, we, we appreciate the partnership uh, from industry and in, in all these things and in helping us uh, move forward in the realm of cybersecurity, and thank you for your time today.
0: Dave McEwen, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for Cybersecurity at the Pentagon at Defense Talks. You can find a link to the video of that conversation and all the Defense Talks discussions in today's show notes at TheDailyScoopPodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like The Daily Scoop podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of The Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.